Back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaffin, along with... Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 38? 38. Yeah, 38. I think, I think that's what it is, Artie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Losing count already. <laughs> but, uh, Artie, how, how have you been, man? I've been good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm still recovering from that food coma I was in on Thanksgiving, so I'm, I'm finally coming back from that. Got, my, got myself back in the gym because I had to do that. Uh, but I've been good, man. I've been working. Uh, might be uh, making some changes to my work schedule soon. So uh, uh, that's what I like to hear. That we'll might be, make yeah. that might make this podcast thing yeah, a lot yeah. easier. Y- y- your boy might be getting a promotion and a first shift job. Hey. So, so, but we're not going snaps to that. It's not in the bags just yet, but it's it's looking like it. Knocking on wood, even yeah. though I think that's just plaster. Um, <laughs> just know that I- I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for for big things for you, Artie. Absolutely. I I, I know you deserve it. So. Already, um, it's been a week since we've recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, ECU football officially over. Yep. Um, it's been kind of a slow week in, in news for, mm-hmm. for ECU. So this is going to be a, a we're, we're not going to have as much to talk about this week as we usually do in, right. in ECU sports. But we're, we're still going to, I mean, we're. Hey, we're here to put out content. Hey, look around anything we can talk about. ECU basketball is still going on. We still got content, baby. ECU basketball we still is got content. for sure going on. Yeah, and talking about ECU basketball, um, we we got a former ECU basketball player mm-hmm. on the podcast today. Um, honestly, one of the coolest guys that I, I I've talked to and that I've known from from ECU basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's kind of have he kind of has a different path to becoming a. To becoming a D1 athlete, but uh, his name's Peyton Robbins. If you're a Minji's maniac, if you're a true ECU basketball fan, you know who Peyton Robbins is. Um, this dude, I mean, he he played 19 minutes in his college career. I mean, he he mentions it in the interview that I mean, he wishes that he could have played more. Mm-hmm. He he understands why, but like this man, I mean, he he, he was a certified stud um, when he was there. He he brought the energy. He was just kind of one of those good teammates, and that I've talked to a lot of his teammates, and they've all said, "Yeah, like that guy. That guy was a stud teammate. Um, we, were, we were glad to have him on the team. Um, so yeah, really, really glad to have him on the podcast. Um, looking at it, Artie, <laughs> the only other really football news that we have right now is Blake Prohl. Yep, he's declared for the draft. Yep. Um, you want, you want to talk about that real quick? Absolutely. Let's 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 get into it. I mean, that I, it's a big blow. It, it's absolutely a big blow to ECU football. I was expecting Blake Pro to come back for another season and possibly leave after next season. Um, personally, I think he should have come back. Um, really built up his stock for the draft for next year. But Blake Pro's a stud, and he comes from good stock. We've said this before. We know who his daddy is. So he is going to be successful wherever, whatever he does and wherever he goes, and I wish him nothing but the best. And he was an outstanding receiver for the Pirates. So best of luck to Blake Pro. Hate to see him go. Wish he would have came back for another year. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be phenomenal. So Yeah, uh, along, along those same sentiments, I mean, Blake Pro, we, we wish you all the best. Um, we, we thank you for all you did. But when, when he put out his letter to Pirate Nation at first, I was like, is this guy transferring? Like, 
that doesn't make much sense. Why, mm-hmm. why would he transfer from ECU? But when when I reread it a couple of times, I, I realized that he was declaring for the draft. And to me, I've heard I've heard differing opinions. To me, it makes sense why he would declare for the draft. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe I'm looking a little deeper into it than than some. But I'm thinking that I mean, my thought on their thought process or their decision making process was they realized that that with the extra year of eligibility that a lot of these guys that are at these mid-major programs mm-hmm. are, are going to stay for that extra year and kind of like what you said, bump up their draft stock. Mm-hmm. He was thinking, well, maybe I can undercut some of them. Right. Because even if, even if he stayed another year, I think I think he's a seventh-round pick. Okay. I mean, I, I don't – if he stays another year, I think he's a seventh-round pick. I think if he, with I disagree. I I think I think he's borderline fourth or fifth if if he stays another year and, and is able to boost that stock. And see, I'm thinking that he he is that now because think about it with with the supply and demand. There's not going to be as much supply this year going into the draft. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have these guys that may have been competing for one of those draft positions right. next year when there's more people coming out to declare for the draft. He's going to go ahead and go and do it. He's got his degree. He's going to go out. And he's going to he's going to go to the NFL mm-hmm. and try to get some more money when he by going another round or two earlier. Right. Um, I, I think now he's he's moved up to a fifth round, fourth or fifth round draft pick because I don't think there's going to be as many. And I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong on this. Yep. I've been wrong before on the podcast. I'll, if I am, I'll, I'll say hey, I was wrong. But I think what's going to happen with Looking at the landscape around college football, looking at it, I think that he he and his dad. I mean, his dad, his brother, and him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, all wide receivers, all, all wide receivers, Division One college football, and, and they all know what it takes to get drafted. I, and I'm in Austin's in the league. Yeah, Austin yeah. is in the league, so he's gonna. You know, that's that's you know. So, <laughs> I mean, father like son. So, it, he's he said in his letter that hey, I, I'm listening to the, the people around me. Mm-hmm. My dad, like. Th- those are people that know what they're talking about. Yeah, they, we decided that it was the best decision for me to to leave the program and and go on to bigger and better things. Um, so that that's what he's doing. And I just want to shout out. That's going to be another three three six kid in the league because Blake Prol is from right here in Greensboro, North Carolina. So yeah, he is. Just want to shout that out. So I mean, congrats to you, Blake. Um, we're, we're wishing you nothing but the best. We we hope that you're playing on Sundays uh, next year and. And for years coming on after that, um, I mean, I think he could be one of those Danny Amendola type type guys mm-hmm. for an offense for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. He, he's got the hands to do it. He's got the hands. He's got the route, route running. He doesn't have the body just yet, but you're going to get there. The, the NFL is going to make you into the kind of yep. receiver they want to make you into. Um, so, he, he, yeah, I, I think he'll be just fine. And like we said, he's got the, he's got the father that's going to let him know what he needs to do to prepare for what whatever it is he needs to do in the NFL. I mean, what better consultation could you get than having a dad and a brother who have both been drafted, both mm-hmm. played in the league, both played D1 football? I mean, to me, it, it's a no-brainer. Listen listen to the guys that know. Yeah. Um, do what's best for you. I get it. We're, we're a players podcast here on, on the Boneyard Podcast. Yeah. We're, we're, I get mean, that money. I'm all about the players getting that money. I mean, because if – and we, I, I saw Warren Saba – Tweeted out. He said, "I'll make sure my client uh, talks to y'all soon." <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to have Blake Prohl on on the podcast. Uh, I, I know we're talking Deontay Smith. Mm-hmm. Have him on the podcast hopefully soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
I, I think to me, it, it makes it makes sense to others. I've I've gotten several texts from people um, around the around the um, conference and around college football. They've asked me why mm-hmm. why would he do that? And yeah. to me, it makes it makes sense. To others, it doesn't. I get it, but I, I really do think it, it's a supply and demand type thing. Yeah, I, I think he, looking at it, if there wasn't COVID, I, I'm sure he's back next year, right. rocking the purple and gold on, on Saturdays. And and look, at the end of the day, he made a decision that was best for Blake Pro. Blake Pro made a decision that yeah. was good for Blake Pro. Anybody else's opinions is irrelevant on yeah. on that subject. So and and my thing is, you, I don't, and I have luckily I haven't seen anything. Sometimes when you, you see these things. People are mad at the at the player. Mm-hmm. Look, this is their future that they're right. Any, anytime they go out there on Saturday and play football, they they're risking losing their dream of making the NFL by getting some freak injury. I mean, to me, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, Blake, once again, we we wish you nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have to have you on, future friend of the podcast, Blake Prohl. Um, declaring for the draft, and I mean, I would I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, end up somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him end up in in a town, baby. I mean, we 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 can. Well, y'all got another, plenty of receivers, we, man. We could use another stud receiver. One of those one of those uh, under the radar type guys is what we need uh, on on our offense. We we got the big names. We we need one of those under the radar guys, and I, I think Blake Pro, like I said, Danny Amendola type guy uh, going forward. So. Artie, um, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about uh, another sport that's going on right now, mm-hmm. ECU basketball. I want, but first, I really I want to talk about actually women's basketball first. Yeah, knocking off a Power Five opponent on the yep. road in at Virginia in Charlottesville. Both programs looking excellent right now. Good win. I mean, they uh, they lost to Georgia, mm-hmm. but uh, Kim McNeil, Coach Kim McNeil. Gonna have to gonna have to have her on the podcast too. Um, th- doing a great job. I'm I'm excited to see what we're seeing in in women's basketball. Um, and I'm also excited to see what we're seeing in in men's basketball. I'm, I'm excited for both of our programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want I just want to give a quick shout out to our women's team because uh, I, I forgot to put it in our in our rundown our weekly rundown, but uh, it, it popped into my mind when I saw three and zero. I remembered I was like. Hey, wait! They got a they got a win over a power five team, and I, I believe I want to say they're playing Duke. Yeah, sometime soon. Um, Duke's a, Duke's a hell of a program in women's college basketball, in, in both of them. But I mean, if you if you can get a win against Duke or or a school like that, then then we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but ECU basketball, men's basketball, three and zero for the first time in about seven years since it was our. I guess that was our that was our freshman year. Freshman right? year, yeah, it was our freshman year. They they were three and 18 year old young whippersnappers. And uh, wow, and, and this I think the, this is the first time since joining the American Athletic Conference mm-hmm. that they started three and And right, I mean it, it's great to see. We we mentioned that we were excited about the team Joe Dooley's put together. Um, I mean you had a lot of guys returning. A lot of these guys are still sophomores, juniors, so they're still going to be there. I didn't realize we have three seven footers on this team. We're big, yeah, we're big. And that was the problem two years ago. We didn't have any size. Mm-hmm. 
Now we got all the sides. We're big and we're athletic. And and that's we're long. That is a that is a double double that you that you definitely want. I, you know, Dooley and we, and we've been talking about this for a while. Um, we kind of knew that he was going to build a program that was going to be respectable, going to be decent. Now look, we're only three and zero. We're beating teams that we're supposed to beat, that we should beat, but we're beating these teams by double digits. We were talking about this before we got on, how important that is because in years past, we weren't beating these. You know, the Ratfords and and the. Austin PA or however you announce them, you know, by, by double digits, we were holding on just barely beating these teams or sometimes even losing to these teams. And so to be able to come out and beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, you know, we've got UNC Wilmington. Uh, is it tomorrow? I think we have, we have Wilmington. Yep, Wilmington tomorrow afternoon, um, I believe. And, and that's, a great, so. that's a great rivalry that we have with, you know, with the, with the Seahawks. Um, and then we've got um, North, North Florida, Florida after that. And so we have a tremendous opportunity to start 5-0. and Going down to SMU and SMU is no joke. That's a good, you know, ba- basketball program. They're going to give us everything they've got. But to be able to be in a position to start five and zero, I don't remember a time when ECU basketball <laughs> started five and zero and had a chance to beat all of these opponents by double digits. We have a legit contender. I'm not saying we're going to win the American. I'm not saying we're going to the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying teams have to game plan for us the yep. right way, or else they're going to be in for a rude awakening. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that this team is a team that used to, and we've said it before on the podcast, used to, you came into Minji's and you said, okay, that it's a dub. Let's, yeah, let's, that's, that's an easy one. Let's roll in, roll out, and, and get the job done, and, and we'll be done by halftime. Right. Now it's, oh, damn, we got we got a fight on our hands. Right. Like, we we got to legit play well to beat this team. Yeah, and the the only thing that I could say that I wish we would uh, we can improve some of our perimeter shooting, I mean, mm-hmm. the, these guys, I mean, I, I don't have the stats pulled up right in front of me, but I mean, I think, I think right now we're like some like 25% or, or so. It's not too good. Um, from three point range and, and we're, we're a little bit better from the field, but, um, overall, I mean, I, I think we could, we could see some improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, now the one guy that has really stood out to me, Noah Farrakhan, okay. freshman. Comes in first game. Now again, granted it was against North Carolina Wesleyan, uh, a Division three opponent. Um, I mean, you play who you play who you can schedule, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes in. There's there's no uh, jitters for for being a for being a freshman and, and playing big minutes now. And he knocks down. I believe he knocked down two threes in that game. Yeah. And I mean, for his first points were a three pointer that he just. Knocked down, step stepped up, knocked down, and it, it was it was easy. And then you, you got guys like Baruti that that can uh, that can play. And then go ahead. I was I was just gonna say, for for as much as you say as as much as you say Noah, Noah Farrakhan, I think Tristan Newton, okay, is yeah. a guy that we need to watch out for. I think he can be a real breakout candidate. I think he can be the peanut butter to Jaden Garden's jelly. I really think they can be that that you know tag team duel that, that we that we need to see i know that was kind of a lame reference but fuck it i don't care <laughs> I, I really think tristan newton though seriously can be a breakout candidate for the pirates this season um so watch out for him watch out the way the way he's playing how he meshes with Jaden gardner um going forward also yes no no fair is going to be a stud and then you got i mean but then you got these guys that are the support guys your your broodies your Robinson White, you got these guys that can really, 
Um, they play good defense. They mm-hmm. they play solid offense, and really the the game plan on offense is and should always be get Jaden Gardner the ball. If you can get him on the block with the ball, money. Right. I mean, and then the the guy the guys are walking double double. I mean, even before playing this non conference schedule in conference last year, he's a walking double double. And it, I mean, it was a shame that they left him off. I believe they left him off first team all conference last mm-hmm. year. He was second team all conference. This guy has a legit shot at being conference he can player of the be year. player of the year. Jaden Gardner can absolutely be player of the year in the American. I know it's a long shot. I don't think it's a long shot. I think the kid, like you say, he's a walking double double. He's averaging twenty some odd points for for the Pirates right now. That's absurd to be averaging that, those kind of numbers. He usually averages in college around, basketball. He also averages usually double digit and rebounds. Right. And sometimes he even he'll. I've seen him do, have a triple double. He's had triple doubles in college basketball. You don't see that often. The kind of guys that do that in college basketball are are lottery picks. Yeah. So yeah, he can absolutely be player of the year in the American. You just don't want him to be the only option. That's all. You want teams to have a healthy respect for the entire basketball team. You don't want them to just walk in and say, okay, as long as we stop Gardner, we'll beat this team by 30. And I don't think that's the case. I think we have to be able to find a number two, number three option that's going to help Gardner. Gardner's still going to be the star. He's still going to be our number one. But, you know, to kind of make us more respectable as far as other teams looking at us. And, I mean, I think Newton, Robinson White, and eventually Farrakhan can be those number two and number three guys. Right. Um, And, I mean – Newton was that number two guy last year for most of the season. Mm-hmm. He, he, I mean, you look at it, and these guys, these guys can compete. And like I said, they're all sophomores and juniors. They've got another year together. Mm-hmm. As long as they stay and play next year, they got another year. And Joe Dooley is, I mean, they've built some, they've built some uh, a quality team, a team that I think can compete with damn near anybody. And. I was looking at it yesterday. I, I didn't look at every team in North Carolina, but, you know, ECU is one of, I know, what, two teams mm-hmm. are 3-0 and in, in the state of North Carolina. And guess what? Neither of them are Duke or Carolina. Yeah. They're, it's NC State and ECU. Now, yeah. granted, ECU did play North Carolina Wesleyan. They, they have another Division One game against uh, UNCW, like we talked about yesterday or talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. That, that game's winnable. That game, that's a very winnable game. That, that game, I think you can win that game by double digits. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I like about this team, this ECU basketball team, is the ECU, baske, ECU basketball, usually in past times you would say, oh, well, this game's going to be a nail-biter if we're going to keep it close. Yeah. This game's going to, like, if we're going to have any shot at winning, we're going to have to win on being able to be up five points with two minutes but left. Have to and, play with a lead and have to keep that lead. And, and have to have to shut down and, and – trade blows mm-hmm. in the last couple of minutes. No. Now, ECU is down double digits with nine, nine minutes left in the first half yesterday against Radford. and Didn't get flustered. Didn't get flustered. Came back, went on like a 17 nothing run. Yeah. Ended the half up with double digits. Yeah. And then. They won 63 to 50. And you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it, he, you got to. I mean, that, that's the type of team that they don't get, they don't get down on themselves. They they keep it going. They keep it moving. They say, "All right, hey, next man up. We're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna chip away at this." And then their defense. This may be the best part defense that I've seen. The, their ability with speed to get back down the court and and play a a solid defense, a solid mm-hmm. zone defense. I, I don't think anybody can 
top that um, right now in our conference. I mean, maybe Houston. Houston's a top 10 team. But Joe Dooley has these guys playing with character, playing hard, hustling. I mean, against Wesley, and they're jumping on the floor, Yeah. I mean, to get the ball back. that That's – I don't want to take a shot at anybody that was on those Lebo teams because that's not their fault. Right. But they, I don't feel like they were really passionate behind Coach Lebo. No. Du- Dooley, and Igo tweeted it out yesterday. He said, you can really respect the type of coaching that Joe Dooley does when, when I mean, he's, uh, when he's coaching in an empty arena. You can actually hear him talking to the guys. His passion. And he, he's passionate. And that's what we've needed at, for ECU basketball. It's a shame we fired him the first time. Mm-hmm. We could have, I mean, we could be a blue blood now if we would have kept yeah, him. Yeah, we maybe. kept him, yeah, maybe. I mean, but that that's one of those things. Um, I, I think that ECU has a good shot at being 5-0 and after this week, after this following week, and then going against SMU uh, to open up conference play, I believe, right after. Mm-hmm. It's either right before or right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, ECU, th- this is a team that could be start off s- – Seven and two, six and six and two. Like this is one of those teams that the the next couple of games, if, if ECU really finds their finds their uh, right. gear, you're you're looking at a scary team that could honestly finish fourth or fifth in the conference. In the conference, right? And 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 look, if you haven't followed ECU basketball before, which most people have not. Now is a good time to get excited about ECU basketball. Now is a good time to jump on the bandwagon. Don't wait. Jump on it right now because what we have in the works right now is, is you know, to me is going to be something special. I'm not saying, like, you know, we're going to win the conference, like I said, this year or we're going to go off to the NCAA tournament. I don't think we're there yet. I think by next year we could be there. But do not be shocked, like you said, if we start 7-2 and two or 7-3, and three, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping it interesting in the conference this year. I could really see that happening. Yeah, I, I mean, I could too. I think that our schedule is winnable. Mm-hmm. We, we can. This could be the year where we see a a twenty win basketball team and mess around, make the NIT, or I mean, you get a good bounce in the in the conference tournament. Guess what? Pack your bags. Yeah, we're we're going dancing, baby. We're going dancing. But uh, we're we're not gonna get ahead of ourselves yet, but. We want to talk to a guy that, I mean, he played on the CIT championship team mm-hmm. back in uh, 2013. He was a walk-on for ECU. Um, let, let's go ahead and send it over to our interview with Peyton Robbins. Uh, those of you that don't remember Peyton, uh, he, he I mean, he was one of those guys, like I said, he was, he was a great teammate. Um, he, he walked on, played under Lebo, played with a lot of uh, stud players at ECU. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's an interesting cat to talk to. I, I enjoyed that. So, yeah, here's, here's our interview with Peyton Robbins. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, everybody, we are excited to have a, a, one of I, what I call a pirate legend in ECU basketball coming on the podcast. We're, we're excited to have him. Uh, his name is Peyton Robbins. Peyton, you, you walked on the the 2012-2013 team first year freshman year you win a CIT championship you i mean you were involved with honestly one of the one of the best teams that has ever been fielded by ECU basketball um you you had a pretty interesting career but i want i want to talk to you first about 
what you're uh, what what you're doing now and how everything's going with you right now. All right. Well, yeah. First of all, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Um, but right now, um, I guess four years out of college, I'm currently working for a public accounting firm called Ernst and Young, um, and more in their risk um, consulting group. Uh, so I've been there for around a year and a half. I float around with a couple other jobs um, prior to my time at EY, but it's all been the more finance accounting background. So that's what sweet. I'm doing now. Sweet, sweet. And like I mentioned, you you're a part of that CIT championship run. What can you tell me about about how that year went and kind of being a part of that team? That year was probably to date the best year of my life. I mean, coming in my freshman year and then not having, first of all, I didn't know what the CIT was when I got there, but then being able to experience like a 24 win team, um, winning a ring and playing in April. The last thing I thought I was going to do is play in April in college basketball. Only like, I think six teams get to play in April. So that whole year was just, a great experience. Um, it was the best year you could possibly be a freshman. Like that started off my career as I couldn't have scripted it any better. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I can't speak for Jared, but I know I, I've always had a dream of like walking on and being a D1 athlete. What was it like to walk on and actually be a Division One athlete at East Carolina, the kind of school to, school it is? Oh, I mean, it was it was a great experience. It was had its highs and lows for sure. Um, but my dream since I was a little kid was to be a D1 basketball player. So uh, when I had the opportunity, I found out my senior year, I had a couple options to walk on places. So um, ECU was definitely the top of my list. And um, I just loved the culture. I went to a couple of games there and I just thought it was an amazing atmosphere. Um, when Minji's is rocking, I mean, it's really, it's really rocking. People don't get how great of a fan base we have. Um, so that's, that's really what, uh, that and just the school in general is what made me want to go to ECU. And was a great experience. Yeah, you, you mentioned the atmosphere in, in Minji's, and we, we've talked, and I, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, that, I, I mean, I, I'm a former president of the Minji's Maniacs, and I'll never forget, we were playing uh, UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. It was my freshman year, your sophomore year, and I can't remember who the head coach was at the time for, for the Roadrunners, but he turns around, to, looks at the Minji's Maniacs, and he says, Y'all are the most insane bunch of loonies <laughs> in the conference. He said, I hate coming here. <laughs> and I, I don't know. That that always kind of stuck with me. So um, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about, like, interacting with, with the Minji's Maniacs and, and seeing how, how crazy they are? Yeah, I mean, one thing, like, when the Minji Maniacs, when they, when they showed up, I mean, so we went to so many different road games at tough environments, but nobody can top like the Minji Maniacs and the whole crowd's packed. Everybody's just nuts and we're winning. I mean, that atmosphere. So I could think of like two that can compete was Duke when we played at Duke. Um, I think probably your freshman year. Yep. And then San Diego State was pretty nuts as well. But other than that, I mean, nothing can compare. When Minji's at his top, like it's just, it's something that's it's a crazy experience. Yeah. And, and with that, I mean, I've always wondered from a, from a player's perspective, um, it, it's kind of stupid looking back at it now, but like when everybody's holding the papers up, most people are holding them upside down and everything. And then you, is it hard to keep your composure when after they announce every player coach from the opposing team, they just hold the paper down and say sucks. Oh, it's, it's awesome. That's exactly like as a player, like that's exactly what you want out of your fan base. Like it's just hilarious. Like, 
I know we're not supposed to pay attention to it or laugh, but every time I would see that, like, I would just die inside. So, I mean, we loved uh, – we definitely fed off it. I mean, you could tell, too, like, when, when Minji's – the Maniacs were, like, going crazy, I mean, we ended up playing better. Um, I think there's definitely some correlation between the two. Um, but, yeah, man, the experience was – it was great. No, definitely the best fan base um, in the conference by far. Okay. Nice, nice. Now, I like to I, hear that. I, I know, um, you know, historically, ECU basketball has not been, you know, a, a top-tier program, even yeah. a middle-tier program. I know you were part of the team when they had their best run uh, winning that CIT championship. How would you describe, uh, you know, especially with Joe Dooley coming in and, you know, the team is 3-0 and now. They're off to a great start. They have mm-hmm. a, a, you know, Jaden Gardner, who is, you know, good enough to be player of the year candidate. How would you describe the culture and what he's doing now to kind of build ECU basketball to be a respectable program? Oh, I mean, I think he's doing a great job. Like you said, I mean, we're 3-0 um, for the first time, I think, since my sophomore year. So it's been around yep. seven years. Yeah. Um, and as people don't understand, too, I mean, I think we kind of realized this over the last couple of years of, like, moving into the American from the from Conference USA, like the amount of – like the difference in competition every night. So it's not going to just be a quick fix overnight to be able to jump into a conference with, like, the Cincinnati's. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know UConn's gone, but, like, that's someone we had to compete with for four years. Um, but I think Dooley is definitely the right, the right guy to make it happen. Um, I've been in a couple practices myself over the years, and I mean he's he's the real deal. I was yeah. super impressed. Everybody's buying in, and I think it helps him a lot now that he has his players. Because like the first couple of years, you're dealing with somebody else's guys that may not fit your system, uh, but now that he's got the whole roster, I think is his now. Um, I think you've definitely been able to see that. Um, the guys are buying in and it helps too when you win like it's, it's a lot easier to get the locker room around you and um hopefully I think this will be the turning point this year so um they look good I mean like you said we got Garner that guy could be the best player in the conference yeah um and you couple that with a couple of good guards that they have like Newton I think he's pretty good um I think they'll definitely have a solid year yeah and uh it's interesting you bring that up because that's gonna be my next question is I always like to ask the former players when they come on, especially with football and and basketball, since there's been some turnover at the head coaching job um, in both those programs, are you are you really involved? Are you ever able to come back and and talk to those guys and and kind of talk to them about their uh, their experience now playing for ECU and talk a little yeah, bit about I, your experience? Yeah, I talked to them last year. I went to a um, I worked a couple of camps in August of 2018 so like that beginning of that season um and went to a couple practices I go to usually like two or three games a year so I'm not as as involved now as I was I guess two years ago when I had some teammates that were still there or like an assistant coach here there um and then now with COVID I mean I I don't think I'll talk to them at all or see them this year (laughs) um but yeah I try to stay involved as much as possible um, just to keep up with everybody Got you, got you. Now, looking back, if there was one thing that you wanted to do or could have done in your playing career, what would it be? Mm. Um, Hard asking the hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, personally, I would like to have um, maybe played more of my junior and senior year. That was the goal, going in there as a preferred walk-on. Uh, but I knew that would be tough. And definitely the transition from, like, Conference USA, like the recruits that we were getting and the transfers that we were getting – um, to compete at an American conference level. I just knew that was way above my head. Yeah. Um, but then I, another thing that I'd want, like there's a couple times 
where we'd be close to like winning against a UNC or a Duke. Um, so I think if I could have changed anything um, other than making like the NCAA tournament would have been awesome. But beating one of those blue bloods at their place would have been yeah. like, to me, like if we, if we would have beat Duke my sophomore year and if we would have so won close. that game, oh, man, I yeah, know, that if we would have won that game, we would have gone to Madison Square Garden for two games. Wow. So wow. most people didn't even know that because – they didn't think we'd win, but that game was a playing game to go to the Mass Square Garden for two games, which I thought that would have been like, to me, cooler than a NCAA tournament to beat Duke and then go to play in the Garden yeah. for two games. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. I think that would have been would have been up there. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody talks about EC basketball, and I was always like, yeah, well, I mean, we lost to Duke by nine one time, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean that that was uh, I, I mean I remember I mean that was freshman year and. Mm-hmm. Being really excited about that, and I mean, coming off the CIT championship. Now you played with some you played with some interesting characters on on EC, that ECU basketball squad. Um, we've we've had one of them on the on the podcast, Akeem Richmond, and um, we hope to have uh, Mike Zangari, your your friend, on yep. the podcast soon. Um, tell tell me a little bit about some of the some of the different guys that that you were able to play with, and um, maybe somebody that stood out as, as kind of the, the jokester on the team or um, yeah. just kind of stood out um, personally to you? Well, a lot of them uh, stood out in different ways to me. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> close. Definitely the two guys you mentioned, like Akeem. I still keep up with him a lot. He's in Raleigh with me. Um, but I'd say, like, basketball-wise, probably the person that stood out the most to me was Maurice Kemp. Okay. Um, that was a guy, I think, that was a CIT or was a senior yep. year. Um, he was just – he was a special player, just a stud. Um, and I loved Akeem Richmond. That guy was like – and he'll tell you, he's – we call him the microwave because you can just throw that guy in the game and he can just get 15 points in like two minutes, hit five threes. Like I've never seen a more exciting player. Like he can – you can just throw him in and he could just win yourself a game by himself, which was – and he was a, he's just a hilarious dude in general. I mean, that guy is just – he's a character. Yeah, I, I think when he came on the podcast, I think he said – he was like, yeah, I, I still think I'm one of the best shooters in the world. Yeah. <laughs> dude, the thing is, I never – like, I would be – we had a play where he'd just run down the baseline and we'd set, like, a double screen and he'd just shoot it in the corner. So, yeah. like, naturally on the bench, I'm, like, right in front of him. And I kid you not, the guy would just catch it and jump and turn in the air and shoot it. And I think he's going to make it every time. Like, the amount of games that he – we'd be down by, like, nine with, like, three minutes left. And I'm like, we can win because of Keem. Yeah. Like, he might not be, like, the best player that I played with there, but, like, the most – like, I can just take over a game at any time. Like, yeah, every time he shoots it, I'm like, it's going in for sure. Oh, yeah. And it did most of the time. And I feel like in our interview, we asked him who his favorite shooter of all time was, and he said himself. Yeah, so, he did. <laughs> No, that's what – and the thing is, to be able to be that type of player, like, you got to have that confidence. Exactly. Like, I think – I really think at that time, uh, like, his senior year, he was a top 10 shooter in the world. Like, he oh, – yeah. and, like, just straight shooting, like, he had to be. I mean, he made 158 threes or something like that. And, absurd. like, the shots he takes are terrible, and he still <laughs> makes them at, like, and, a high clip. So, people don't get it. Like, I'm like, he's not just – playing against his zone and lighting it up. He's taking, like, turnarounds from 25 feet, like, contested, yeah. and he's still making it, like, 40%. And, I mean, I think he made it to the finals in, the, like, the three-point contest that, that one yeah. year. Yeah, you know, he got, like, he had the opportunity to go there, like, for the couple games before the final four. Yeah. Like, three-point shooting contest. He didn't do as well as he wanted to, but when you put him in the game, it's different. He's a – it's funny, too, like, going back to that. Like, when I got there as a freshman, he was a transfer. So, like, that was the first year he was able to play. 
So yeah. like, I'm just like listening to these guys at lunch and like in workouts, like, cause I don't know who's good yet. Cause I haven't played with them much. Mm. And then Akeem would always just be like the most confident guy there. <laughs> he would like, he wasn't in the starting lineup, but they have him like between second and third string, like on the board. Um, like they list us like positions and what, I guess, if you're the second string, third string, first string, and he'd be like second string. So I'm like, this guy like talks a lot to be on the second string the whole time. And then I like one pickup game, he hit like 15 threes. And I'm like, that's why he talks a lot. Like it makes sense to me now. He can back it up. Yeah. 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 Now, an- another guy that, that kind of while we're on the same subject, another guy that doesn't really strike me as lacking confidence and is has those, uh, he has that resume to back it up, is B.J. Tyson. I mean, another one of those guys that – I mean, he kind of came in and filled those shoes after – I think he had one year with Akeem, but he kind of came yep. in and filled those shoes after Akeem graduated and moved on. Um, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about, about Bunny? Yeah, he's a, he's a killer, man. And I know when he, he came in as a freshman, had to do a gray shirt where he had to sit out a year. Um, and his confidence is like, I mean, it was all there from day one. He didn't care. He's trying to go kill everybody. Um, you could just tell like right away, you either have it or you don't with that killer instinct. And that dude has it. I mean, he had it all. He's averaged, I think, like 13 or 14 in yep. year one. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would be like, if you can score six in year one and the American as a guard, that's really good. And he over doubled it. Um, so I didn't think in practice that he would some people just like can play and practice really well but then sometimes like the lights are on like bj tyson's one of those guys like he just kicks it up a gear yeah like, if he doesn't play great in practice one day it doesn't matter because the second the camera's rolling like he's a different guy and that was bj and you could just tell the confidence just like pours out of his body so and it can you can look at his career and he probably scored like 1500 points or something crazy so uh yeah i mean he just constantly had a good year every single year is there oh yeah yep. oh yeah now what was it what was it like playing for coach Lebo? I, I know he was you know the winningest coach in ECU men's basketball history but he had his ups and downs and I always like asking former players that what was it like playing for for Lebo? um I like Lebo a lot I thought he was like X's and O's wise I thought he was a, a genius um I think his timing of being a coach was a weird spot where like he mm-hmm. went from not winning when he got there to winning, so everybody's expectations went. I mean, yeah, as they should. Definitely with a fan base like ECU, how passionate everybody is. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just win twenty four games and then expect to win eleven two years later and everybody be happy. Right. So I think the timing of like tr- changing conferences kind of was bad for him um, because I mean you have high expectations. You win twenty four games and then you get thrown in, and instead of playing UTSA. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, you're going on the road against Connecticut. I mean, you're going around the road against Cincinnati. And then at SMU at the time, I mean, they're top ten. Um, so you just, like, every single game was so different. I think it takes a couple of years to be able to recruit at that level and, like, to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're seeing it with a bunch of sports. I mean, across EC, like, it's, it's tough. It takes, like, I think this is the year and next year where we'll, like, be able to compete again at the level that we want to. Like, football is doing great now at the end of the year. Um, but I think Lebo's like position of when he came in, he had success right away and then going into the American kind of, um, I guess, I mean, it messes with you. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the lows yeah. for sure. Like, people get antsy. 
Yeah, and I mean that, that's something that we've tried to kind of keep in check here mm-hmm. on, on the Boneyard Podcast is reminding people, hey, like we we came into this conference and we weren't at all. I don't feel like we were prepared to compete mm-hmm. in this conference. It's a true basketball conference, and it. it yeah. I mean, I think it's a true. I mean, it's a true athletics conference. I mean, you look yeah. at yeah. you got you got three teams that should be ranked in in football. You have four or five teams that are consistently ranked in basketball. You got two or three teams consistently ranked in baseball. I mean, you you look at the big three sports, and I mean, the American, it's up there with with the quote unquote Power Five conferences. Yeah. And they, I mean, they may not have the funding, which hurts them, but um, yeah. I mean, still to this day, I, I still think that the American comp- competitiveness wise is, is up there. And um, now I wanna I wanna kind of ask you. Already asked the question about like what you wish you could have done. In, in your time at ECU, I want to ask you, what was the most proud moment of, of your time at ECU? Whew. Had a lot of them. I, uh, I'd say, like, going back to my freshman year, I know we're going to talk about the CIT, but, like, walking in the airport at, like, 4 in the morning or whenever we got back, and, like, the airport at Greenville was just, like, loaded with ECU fans, probably, like, 500 people waiting on us to get there. Wow. And that's when I realized I was, like, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get up at three in the morning to go see anybody. And the fact that like 500 people were out there to watch yeah. us, um, I thought that was a really cool moment where I was like, all right, this is a big deal. Like That's awesome. being a part of the team is really cool. And along, and along those lines with your time at ECO, I want to know how is your time? This is a question I like to ask all, all former athletes. How, how is your time at ECU? prepared you for the life you you lead outside of college and and after college yeah I mean I thought I was perfectly prepared um, for my transition from my college athletics days and just college in general um, to the workplace I mean I was I know being an athlete like we're up early every morning we have to do so much stuff throughout the day Um, so there's just so many qualities like just work ethic and time management and being able to work in teams, which I know is huge in um, a workplace for me now. Uh, I think all of that um, that I gained from ECU just really helped me be prepared right away um, once my days were over. So it's been a, definitely been a, true, a smooth transition. And um, I think my athletic background and my background at ECU in general just made it very smooth. That's great to hear. And now I want to go back to basketball real quick. We're, we're, we'll wrap up here in a minute, but I want to go back to basketball. You played 19 minutes in your career. You, I know you said you wish you. Oh, I know you said you wish you could have played your um, junior and senior season more. But I, I believe it was your junior season. Maybe it was your senior season. Um, I can't remember who we were playing. I want to say was it the Virginia University of Lawrenceville or something like that. I don't know. Some some small town school. Um, yeah. Um, and then. All of a sudden, the crowd just erupts into "We want Peyton Chance" and Levo. I, I, I remember because I mean, like I said, I was I was in the Minji's Maniacs, and Levo was looking at us, and we were we were just like looking at him, staring him down, like "We want Peyton, we want Peyton." And you, you got you got in the game. What, what was that moment like when when you heard all, the whole stadium chanting your name, saying they want you on the court? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a funny experience. Like, it's it's really cool. At the same time, I love when it happens. Not for much for me hearing it, just so I can look at Lebo and see, like, <laughs> damn it, I'm going to have to put him in. Like, he can't <laughs> let everybody down. So, yeah. um, no, it was, a really, it was a really cool experience. 
But uh, I thought it was just hilarious the whole time. And I know, too, like when the games are close, I mean, like a blowout at the end, and I just I see like the three-minute mark, and I'm just like, all right, like, like oh, yeah. is it now? Like, but, but and then to get in start chanting. I mean, that's when I was like, all right, well, cool. At least I'll get in the game at some point today <laughs> yeah, because of I- y'all. So I appreciate those 19 minutes might have been a little less if it wasn't for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I – I just remember, like, and I believe you came in, like, you came in and you got, you were hot. Like, you had a steal. I think you had a block or something like that. Like, I mean. It's all a blur. When I would go in there, I don't even know what happens. Like, I looked at the stat sheet later because I don't remember anything. Definitely, like, the games where I'd get my name chanted. I'm like, all right, whatever happened with court, I don't even remember anymore. It's just like a, yeah, a quick little flash. <laughs> but, that, but, but that's great. And, that, I mean, I, I was thinking about that when – Already now we're talking about who who we wanted to have on the podcast because mm-hmm. we try to keep it kind of topical with with the season and with it just being the start of basketball season we wanted to have you on you're our second ECU basketball player that we've had on yeah the first was Akeem, Akeem. so so now I mean we've got you and we're, we're we're happy to have you now I'm gonna ask you probably the hardest question we're gonna ask the whole podcast the hardest sure this is have you have you listened to a boneyard podcast yet probably not not yet but I will okay now. okay. <laughs> So this is the hardest question we ask all of our guests, especially the ones that are affiliated with ECU in mm-hmm. some way. Um, this is the question, okay? Yep. So after you hear your name chanted, you uh, you decide, okay, you want to you want to keep riding that high. You go downtown for a little bit, uh, maybe maybe have some drinks. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll let I'll let you uh, keep that to yourself. But then you then you uh, decide to end the night at at a little restaurant, little known establishment called Sup Dogs. All right. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know, Peyton. You got to be honest with me. What's your order you. at Sup Dogs? Two cheeseburgers, two a cheeseburgers. hot dogs, wow, and some fries. Man, this this two guy's carb <laughs> I know. I mean, I some fries. Yeah, are we, I ate like. Are we, are we putting anything I still on the do. fries? Do what? Are we, are we putting anything on the fries? Any any bacon? Cheese on the fries. Okay, if I'm on special. Fries. Yeah, depends. Oh, depends on, yeah, it, depends it, on. Uh, how intoxicated I am or not. <laughs> and and where, where are you going? Like if you were, if you were to go downtown, where, where would you end up at? Man, like everywhere. It would just depend on who I'm going with. Like if I'm going with teammates or if I'm going with like athletes from another sport or to some of my friends outside. So like I would go everywhere like, equally. I'd say like, so teammates would probably go to still life. Um, mm-hmm. We go to like, I go to five night team with some of my other friends. There we go. There we go. Our uh, PBs. Which is that even? Are they there still? Yeah, yeah Bob's, Bob's is still there. Yeah. Okay, so PBs and then, gosh, what's the one? Is it Fourth Street? Uh, it's something else. Fourth Street. Fourth Street. There was a Fourth Street bar, but I think that's something else yeah. now. I know. Yeah, the ones like on the corner have like changed a little bit since I've been yeah. there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd say Five Nineteen Bob's and then like Still Life on occasion. I try to stay away from there. But yeah, uh, that, that place is deadly, and there's some creatures. Yeah, there. like you every time. Yeah, you take a year off your life every time you walk in that door. Yeah. But it's worth it. I mean, some good uh, times. There were some. There were some fun nights drinking at at Still Life yeah, that yeah. we had. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, definitely freshman sophomore year. That was uh, those were some crazy times there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I bet so. And um, yeah, we're we're gonna ha- we'll have to have you on again. Absolutely. Um, as, as we go forward and and continue with this podcast. I, w- I want to get something where we get you and you and some of the other guys on there and kind of get like a round table and we'll, yeah. 
We're, we're going to have another ECU basketball player maybe on next week. Get weekend. that CIT championship team. Kind oh, of get, get them all. I can make it happen. Yeah. I'll yeah. make it happen. Like like a almost like an ESPN thirty for thirty yeah. type thing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. we'll, we'll, we'll get <laughs> we'll, we'll get uh we'll get the we'll get the gang back together and uh and shoot the shit. How's that sound? Sounds good, man. Just let hey, me know. I'll reach out to some people. We'll, uh, we'll get the gang back. Maybe after COVID, we'll do that, and uh, maybe we'll be able to do something in person and really start to let the drinks flow and, yeah. and tell the stories of, of that yeah. trip. All right. Yeah. All right, man. All right, Peyton. Well, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, we we really we really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It was a it was a fun time. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. We'll we'll get something worked out with uh, the CIT championship. Team, yeah, okay? let's do it. Let's do it. All, All right, guys. Y'all take care. All right, Absolutely. thanks, man. You too. with ECU basketball legend, uh, certified sixth man coming off the bench, uh, one, one of our now good friends of the podcast, Peyton Robbins. Uh, I, I had a blast talking to him. Artie, what, what was your thoughts? Yeah, that was awesome. I, I think that was a really good interview. I'm really looking forward to being able to get the roundtable together. We're, we're going to have to do that. We got to get we, the roundtable we're, we're together. We're going to talk into that CIT existence. championship. That would, be, that would be awesome to get all those guys and just kind of pick their brains and see how they're doing nowadays. Yeah. Like. Definitely got to get that in the works. Yeah, that that would be that would be a uh, fun time. Um, hear some of those stories. Mm-hmm. Hell, uh, I mean Jeff Levo, he he's coaching at uh my my cousin's alma mater, her high school. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe I can uh, maybe I can figure out how to get Levo up and uh, on the podcast too. I, I'd be happy to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean Levo, everybody gives him shit, but to me Levo, yeah, he had a rough go at it. But he did the honorable thing. He didn't do it like Scotty Montgomery. He didn't do it like Cecil Staten. Right. He he didn't do it like Jeff Comfer, where it was one of those. All right, give me some more money, and then I'll leave. And then I'll leave. Exactly. He he took he took the high road. He said, Yeah, I know I didn't perform. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, pack my bags. I'm gonna go live with my wife down in Moorhead City, and then call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I'll be Jeff if you're listening. Feel free come on the pod. I tried to find your email, tried to find uh, – hey, I'm down to have you anytime. Jeff Lebo, if you want to come on, we'll, we'll talk uh, We'll talk ECU basketball, talk about your time here, talk about your time at Auburn and uh, I, and all of that. I, I think that would be a, a great time. I mean, hell, the guy played with MJ. I mean, I'm sure we could get, some, I'm sure we could get some fun stories out of him about right. MJ, right? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but, Artie, um, you, want, you want to do something that is – Kind of wild, mm-hmm. considering football just ended last year mm-hmm. or last week. Uh, <laughs> man, way twenty twenty is gone. It feels like a week is a year. It, it's, That's true. It's wild. It's fast but slow at the same time. It's weird. Um, Artie, let's let's do this thing. Uh, we we talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. We were talking about making it go um, in a in a couple of weeks, but we're we're gonna go ahead and put this out there. We're gonna do our way too early predictions. For, for ECU football. For ECU football. So, Artie, let's uh let's break it down. Um, the first game we're we're uh we got a game against App State. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's gonna be a Thursday night game in uh in Charlotte in, in Charlotte in Bank of America Stadium. Um, this is one that people have had circled for a few years now. Oh yeah. So you know, gonna really you know. App State fans and students have been talking a lot of trash. ECU fans and students have been talking a lot of trash. 
you know, come September 2nd, you know, of, of next year, we're really going to see, you know, which team is ready, which teams have arrived. Look, App State is going to be good. They're always good. But they do play in the Sun Belt Conference. You know, we play in the American. I, I'd like to say the American's more big boy than the Sun Belt. But App State is going to be legit. They're going to be good. They have a good coach. Um, and they don't like us. So they're going to be ready to play. I think that game's winnable, though. I, I think based off of how we ended this year and based off of how we look in the offseason, I think Thursday night game against an against a in-state rival, I just I, – I, I got to win. Especially after the type of season that ECU football had. I mean, for the next 269 days, mm-hmm. ECU is going to be gearing up for – for App State. For App State, yep. They're, they're thinking about it. They're, I mean, they got a bad taste in their mouth after some of the things that went down this year. I mean, I was looking at it. I was watching the Navy-Tulsa game last night, cussing under my breath, watching right. that game, saying we should have beat both those teams. Um, and App's going to be favored. Let's let's not get it twisted. App yeah, is going yeah, to be favored yeah, going I, into that matchup. They are. But, uh, I mean, ECU got the – they did exactly what they needed to do to prepare for next year. Mm-hmm. If we can have a full offseason – and have Coach Houston really have like a full training camp and really get these guys in, in check. Yeah, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something watching our our boys take the field in, in Bank of America. I'm I'm ready to go um, to that game already. I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready pumped for right that. now. As, as soon as tickets go on sale, yeah, you know, I mean. Maybe depending. maybe we we might be able to get some media passes to the yeah, to the to the game. That's, so that's that would thinking. yeah, <laughs> that'd be even better. Yeah. So um, but yeah, I I'm super excited about that game. Um, 269 days away from now, ECU, App State in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, start of a three game series against the against the Mountaineers. Um, it, it's gonna be big time for for the Pirates, and I think I, I do think that's a winnable game. Um. So, Artie, just real quick, do you have a prediction for the, for the game? Do you, you don't have to give me score, but does EC, do you think ECU wins? Or, or? I, I think based off of how we ended, and I can only base this off of how we ended. I'm not going to yeah, yeah. look on you know the whole season in totality. I Yes, I, I think it's a win. I think it's a close game. I think App State scores early, but I think we stay with them. I think in the end, we win that game, and we set ourselves up with a lot of confidence riding a three-game winning streak based off of last year, going into next year, going into South Carolina um, with a lot of confidence. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think that EC wins that game. Um, I th- That's one of the games – that's probably the game that, honestly, like in the first four that makes me nervous, yes. that App State game, um, just because I know what's riding on that. I I feel like there's a rivalry brewing between the two the two schools. Well, to me, it's already a rival. I know we haven't played much, but you know, App State and ECU. I mean, they're they're, they're two opposite spectrums of the state. All, all I'm gonna you say know, is App State without ECU, there's no App State. They 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 don't like each other. You know, I'll just just remember that App State without ECU, there is no App State. So just all I'm saying, just remember it. Because if you really think about it, I mean, outside of outside of Duke, Carolina, and State, you know, those those are your top three in the state of North Carolina. It's between App State and ECU fighting for fourth, right? And so I think yeah. that's where the rivalry comes from. Like ECU is like, no, we're 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 the fourth biggest in the state. App State's like, no, 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 we're the fourth biggest in the state outside of those those big three. And I'll, and if an App State fan tells me that, I'll look at them and I'll say, 
You've been smoking too much dope. <laughs> um, but then, all right, so we both have ECU 1-0 after week week one mm-hmm. against App State. Uh, that, that'll be a fun a fun Thursday night game that, that ECU will play against, against the Mountaineers. Well, then uh, you, you get the Gamecocks coming into Dowdy. Well, I'm holding. My, I'm not going to hold my breath to, to say, yeah, they're coming. We've seen them dodge us before, right? They've seen us. We've seen them dodge us on on the road trip. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. They're a lot like that team in Blacksburg when it comes to not wanting yeah. to play us. Don't don't give me. I don't, don't want to talk about the <laughs> team in Blacksburg. Uh, those, those frauds. Um, the Gamecocks. Oh, man, there, there's a lot of turmoil going on in, in, in that program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they they just fired Will Muschamp, just hired Shane Beamer. Um, who, I mean, he coached with Coach Ruffin McNeil at Oklahoma. I mean, his dad, longtime Oklahoma coach. Um, that, I mean, that that's an SEC game. That that's one of those games that I think. I mean, it's an SEC game, but right. that you're, you're talking about an SEC East team that doesn't really do much, and I mean, hasn't ever really been able to fully put it together since uh, Lattimore. Yeah. That that season with Marshawn Lattimore back in, what, 2011? Mm-hmm. Um, so, South Carolina, yeah, I, I think that – I think ECU wins that game. Um, and I, I don't think – if it's in Dowdy, I don't – if it's in Dowdy and there's no COVID restrictions, we have a packed house. A packed house. That game's going to be that's, loud. That's going to be the most packed game we have all year because we have South Carolina coming to town. And – it, there's going to be fans from both both sides there. It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be loud. That uh, people people don't think about it enough, but that I mean that's a that's a smaller regional rivalry that has happened mm-hmm. in the past where you've seen these two teams put up some yeah. pretty good games. It's not like we haven't beat South Carolina before. Yeah, no, <laughs> we've beaten them before. We we don't we're not scared of you. I mean, you're an SEC team, but we're not scared of you. Back back in the day, we we used to think that we deserved your spot in the SEC. I mean, five six years ago, I was saying, "Hell, get rid of South Carolina, put up, put us in there." Now I love. Well, look, I, I think South Carolina remains respectable. If yeah. we're going to talk about taking somebody out, take Vandy out. All right, Vandy's not respectable Vandy, in, in Kentucky, SEC football. All right, Missouri. Honestly, Tennessee hasn't been respectable in the last eight years in, ten, in, in SEC football. So, I, I still think South Carolina is respectable. But speaking on this game, this is the best chance we've got to beat an SEC opponent. Um, in the last few years, because South Carolina is going to be down, they're going to be a bottom of the you know bottom of the barrel team in the SEC next year. They might win six games, maybe I don't, they don't win six games next year. Maybe, and that's they and don't that's win a, six and that's, and that's a best case scenario that South Carolina wins six games next year. No shot. They I think win they win four or five. To be honest with you, I think South Carolina is where ECU was two and a half years ago. They're they're there now. Right. They're there. They're Scotty McG- and Will Muschamp. That was the thing with Will Muschamp. He would win a game. That he shouldn't win, and they would say, "Oh well, we got to keep him now." Scotty Montgomery did the same thing. He beat Carolina. He beat State. Everyone's like, "Oh great, now we got to keep him again." Right. Well, Will Muschamp finally got the axe. He uh, he was told, "Pack your bags, get out of here." I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> just got stuff falling in my apartment. Oh, it, it, it's uh, the ghost of Will Muschamp's job. <laughs> <Right. laughs> He's not too happy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, South Carolina, I think that's a winnable game, especially if it's in Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium. If it's in Dowdy, yes. I, I absolutely think we can win that game. But, look, they're still going to have four- and five-star kids. It's yeah. not like South Carolina's going to suck. They're not going to come off the bus no. and look like they're, you know, they're going to pass the eye test. 
So yeah. I mean, we still have work to do against South Carolina, but I, I definitely think we can win that game. Now that that's going to be a that's on a Saturday, September 11th. Uh, maybe we'll get John down there, have have a fun tailgate, and then go to the press box. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be like a 7 p.m. game, and and we'll we'll be able to be able to really roll with that one. Yep. Um. So then the following week, Artie, I'd be interested in going to this game. If, I'd be if you're very down. interested. Yeah. I, I don't really like West Virginia, but I, I'd be down to go up to West Virginia and and see the thundering herd in uh John C. Edwards Stadium. And and <laughs> honestly, this this is a game that I think that. You want to talk about Marshall got screwed out of not having, uh, not having college game day. I mean, yes, they did. They they got screwed out of not having college game day. Especially, I mean, are you kidding me? They, they, you go to the Masters. You go to the Masters, which has nothing to do with college football. I get it. It's the Masters. Cool. The, the Masters. <laughs> That's an inside joke between Artie and some friends of us. Hopefully, John is listening to the podcast. Yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to go up there. Um, pay our respects. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a game that we wish we would have had this year. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I think that would be fun. I think we we saw Marshall um, kind of have a rough go at it yesterday. Yeah, they had a blunder. I'll, I'll get into that a little later. They they uh, they looked human. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the whole season, I didn't think that really any Conference USA team really deserved to be ranked, um, just knowing the Conference USA schedule. Right. But I get why. I mean, you have an undefeated team. That, Look, yeah, ranked. You, you have an undefeated team. They got to be yeah. up there. I mean, um, just like Coastal Carolina, they're undefeated, but they play in the Sun Belt. Um, but then you have Louisiana Lafayette also ranked, which is never mind. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that Marshall. Um, I think I think that's a winnable game, but that's that's gonna be a close game. Those first three games are gonna be tough. They're gonna be close. There, you don't have any uh, pay me games on the schedule those first three games. Those are games that are okay, let's these are gonna have the blood boiling mm-hmm. and punch you in the mouth type type atmospheres. I mean Marshall we, we say it all the time. It's a rivalry built out of love, out of respect, but it's still a rivalry nonetheless. I I, I mean I'll oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say just to finish that that thought, yeah. EC, I believe that ECU's ultimate rival is Marshall. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that looking at it outside of NC State, ECU's rival is Marshall. But that is a gentleman's rivalry, like yep. you said. It's you know we don't like NC State. I hate we NC don't State. like Carolina. You know, we don't like App. We respect Marshall. We like Marshall. You know, we still like beating them, but we we there, there's a mutual respect there. Yeah, I don't I don't like UCF either. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's not really a rivalry yet. We gotta we gotta get some more dubs against them. In, in the past, it has been, but. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a it's a winnable game. But I also think that there's going to be a lot of emotion since you couldn't have the 50 year anniversary game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe there'll be something done between the two programs at that point if if COVID um, is done. I know that I know we've got a vaccine hopefully on the way, so hopefully uh, we'll we'll be able to kind of have no restrictions there um, and and go up to Huntington, West Virginia. And maybe we'll have a friend of the podcast, Bryce Williams, on the podcast again to break down that game. Since I mean, he is an alum of ECU, but he also played at West Virginia, or at at Marshall. That that'd be fun to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Artie, the next week, that's the, can, can we go ahead and chalk this one up? That's yeah. We don't we don't need to talk much about Charleston. Uh, I, don't, I don't know anything Charleston, about Charleston. Charleston. I don't know anything about him, but we shouldn't lose to him. I don't even, that's all I know. What conference are they in? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> but uh, so the. Conference games are set for next year already. 
We don't have dates next to them. Right, um, so this this is not in this correct is, order. This, this isn't is in just, any particular order. Right. This is just how FBS schedules has them listed out. Okay. Okay, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... <laughs> We could, we could honestly. I, I think we'll be three and one going into Cincinnati if, if that is our fifth game of the season. But yeah. I, I think sitting at it, we could be three and one heading into that Cincinnati game. But it to me, it depends on Luke Fickle. Does he come back? Yeah, he's coming back. And if he comes back, I, I, I got to be honest with you, we're not there yet. We're, we're not on Cincinnati's level yet. I think we can keep it competitive, a whole lot more competitive than what we did this year. Oh yeah, but. Are we there yet? No, we're not. We're not ready to beat the Cincinnati's of the world yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's now Cincinnati might lose some guys to the to the draft this year. Much like I talked about Blake Pearl earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. with um, him going ahead and declaring those guys that are on these top twenty five programs, mm-hmm. they're not going to try to waste another year in college. They're going to go ahead and go go to the draft. So. I could see some of those guys, some of the Desmond Ritters of the world, mm-hmm. going into the draft and say, okay, I'm here, draft me, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then then you're, I mean, you're kind of, you're there. Yeah. Right? Like, you're having some kind of turnover in your program. Um, it's, it's the programs like Alabama, your Notre Dames, your Clemsons, mm-hmm. that can continue to recruit at that high level and and continue to have impact teams, high high octane teams mm-hmm. throughout the years. That that's how you have um a good program. That's how you build a good program. And I mean that's how UCF's done it. They've been able to they had one good year. Now they're able to recruit. Right. Yeah. Um and we need more of that in the conference and I, I think it's coming for ECU. I think their time's coming, but Cincinnati they're gonna they're gonna be a good team next year. That I I, I don't see ECU beating that them, but I do think that it is closer, like you said. Yeah. Than, than it was this year. And it was, it was close last year. I mean. Right. So so who knows. Um, Temple. I think Temple's a winnable game. Temple's absolutely a winnable game. Their, their quarterback, Michael Russo. Or I think his name's Michael Russo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Russo, um, their quarterback, just transferred out. Um, he's gone. See ya. <laughs> uh, I don't know where you're going, but peace out, dude. <coughs> um, they, they, I mean, they had a fifth string quarterback. Against us a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I, I I have a feeling a lot of those guys are going to be transferring out. I don't I don't know how they feel with you. Don't, you don't think they stay? I don't, I don't think there's a lot of from an outsider's perspective. It seems like the team at Temple is just kind of they're just kind of there, mm-hmm. and those that roster just doesn't they didn't they don't seem energized at all by that program, right? And Temple well, had a couple good years, and I, I don't think – I, I think they're done. And we talked about this in the interview a couple of weeks ago when we, were, when we played Temple. Um, they got to get out of that stadium. I, I really think they don't have any juice when they play in that stadium. Nobody comes to see them. It's just parents there. I mean, it, it, even in COVID, their attendance looked normal. So, to me, it's like – to really be able to build that program and to get kids to buy in, they got to really get out of that stadium and kind of have a true home field atmosphere and experience. But, you know, this year they, they were riddled with injuries. They had the, the whole COVID thing going on with them. They're going to be a lot better next year. I still don't think that's much of an improvement, though. I agree with you. I think we beat Temple. Um, but they will be better than what we saw this year. I, I agree. 
So right now we're we're through five games, and you and I both have ECU as three and two, yeah, four and one ish. Yeah, that's um, where we should be sitting. Yeah, and so then looking at the next game on on FBS schedules, Tulane, already Tulane. Um, that's a that's a tough one. They just lost their offensive coordinator because Tulane Tulane has looked good the last few years though. Yep. And they're a team that's always. I mean, they they win. I, I think they won six games at least for the last five or six years. No, because I think they've only had right. they've only had like five winning seasons since two thousand. Okay, I, year two thousand. Okay, I, that, that I, might be somebody else. I'm they, thinking they, about. Didn't, they didn't have a winning season in twenty nineteen, and they had a winning season in twenty eighteen, I believe. Um, but I do know this year so Tulane yeah. has played everyone tough. Yeah, yeah. Everyone they've played, they've and played them tough. They're one of those teams that they may not get it done week in and week out, but they mm-hmm. do get, they do play you tough. They may not get the win on the scoreboard, but they play you tough. You know, you, you know, you play Tulane every single week. And if I had to give my honest opinion, I mean, to me, this is going to be a game of two evenly matched teams trying yeah. to establish themselves. Right, trying to establish themselves in a, in a conference is going to be pretty good. So it's a toss up game to me. I don't really know how to predict it just yet. Um, we could win, we could lose. So that's kind of how I'm looking at the Tulane game right now. Yeah, I, I think um, they have this game. This game's actually in Greenville. Yeah, I was about to say, it will be in Dowdy, though. Um, which, I mean, Tulane came into uh, Dowdy a, cu- a couple weeks ago, about a month ago. And, uh, I mean, they, they put a hurting on the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a game that I thought going into the season that ECU should win. Yep. They didn't. Um, but I, I think that next year that might be a different – once again, I think Coach Houston will finally get his team playing exactly how he wants them to play all four quarters every game. Yep. I think we saw that later on in the year after the first couple of games when I think some of the players got their ass chewed out. Yeah. And now they, they've kind of taken that step, and they, they know – the type of culture that they want in this program. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Bulls, the South Florida Bulls, give me that. Yeah, that's that. That's another dub. That that's a team still trying to find themselves, trying to find their identity. Um, yeah, that that should be a dub. Yeah, yeah, give me that. So right now, through what's that? Eight games. Mm-hmm. So you have Tulane as a win, or, or is that a toss up? Right now, I'm gonna say that's a that's an L. Okay, I'm gonna call that an L. Okay. So you've got ECU being four and three, four through, and three through Tulane. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Tulane's a winnable game. I, if if it's a winnable game to me, I'm I'm calling it a dub, mm-hmm. just because I I think that Coach Houston has he he kind of has that uh, passion behind him, and mm-hmm. the the team has bought into him. And right. I mean, even some of these guys that are signing next month in December, they've been tweeting, they've been posting they've been messaging us mm-hmm. saying yeah we're locked in we're ready to go so i i'm gonna say that the culture is being built the cult, the foundation's there right they just gotta execute on it next year and i think they will and i think i think tulane will uh will see that so I, i've got ecu still at, at five and two okay after tulane okay. um looking at the schedule we have that once again this isn't in order right but looking at the Yo. schedule we have, I, I think ECU is, is at least five and two um, at this point in, in ours. And USF, we both have. We that's, both that, have that's a dub. Yeah. So I have it six and two. You have six and four. 
No, no, no. No, wait. Five and three. Five and three. Five and three. Math is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Five and three going into what could be Houston. Yeah. And Houston, you have a coach, Mike Houston, going to coach his ECU team at TD ECU Stadium <laughs> in Houston. Uh, Touchdown ECU. That's what it stands. That's what it stands for me. Yeah, that that's what I that's what I read it as. <laughs> um, man, I really want to call this a win, but I, I just can't do it. I can't pull the trigger. Yeah, at at Houston is a big factor for me, and I think they're gonna have a bounce back year. Houston's never really terrible. No, yeah. Um, and 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 this year they were they were kind of bad, and I think this is gonna be the worst year they they have in a long time. So, yeah, I I ooh. I'm with you. I, I want to call that a win. I think we'll be five and four leaving Houston. Okay. If I have to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've got a six and three okay. leaving Houston. Um, think I think that's an L. Um, Dana. The next year will be Dana Holgerson's show me year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think if he doesn't have a Cincinnati or a um UCF type season, yeah, he might be getting the boot next year. Mm-hmm. Houston has that kind of money. They can they can spend that kind of money, and if they want to cut him, Sayonara, we'll, we'll get somebody, we'll get somebody else. You're right. Um, Memphis at the Liberty Bowl already. This is another game we should look into going to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going to Memphis. Memphis is just a good time in general. Uh, go, go down to Bill Street. Mm-hmm. Um, put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. <laughs> um, I ain't mad at you. Hey, hey. There we go. Um, Memphis reminds me a lot of Navy. Um, they they kind of have that up and down program. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a team that can never seem to really put it all together. Right. Um, I, I think ECU can beat Memphis. I think Memphis is starting kind of a downturn mm-hmm. in their program. We, we're seeing it a little bit in basketball this year. Had a lot of turnover too in their coaches. Yeah, so. and it, it's part of being in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, I think ECU. I think ECU beats Memphis. I'm just gonna say that I think ECU beats Memphis. I I agree with you. I don't I don't really care what Memphis looks like next year. I think that's a game that we get up for, especially after you know looking at it right now. If we're coming off a loss to Houston, we're sitting at five and four. I really think that Memphis game is a game that we get up for and we win. I think we go to six and four after beating Memphis. Yeah. So I've got us at what six and three. I think we beat Memphis, and I. I so you got seven and three. I got seven and three right now. That's an excellent year. <laughs> you got Bruin next year. Yeah, seven and three is pretty damn good. Now, and I, I honestly think, looking at the two, last two games on, on the schedule here, and guys, y'all know me. I, I'm I am a homer. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in in our ECU Pirates. I believe in Coach Houston. I believe in whole nailers. I believe I believe in our running back room. Mm-hmm. I believe in what we're doing on the recruiting side. I mean, we're looking at some JUCO guys. I was looking at one guy, six foot five, three hundred and twenty five pounds. I'm like, that's what we need. Yeah, that's what we need. If we can get that, I, I'll, I'll be comfortable with this with with my with my um, predictions right mm-hmm. now. Um, Navy, Navy. I think we should have won that game this year. Right. We have. Uh, we have. Coach Houston back. We have Coach Blake Harrell back. Uh, once again, they both understand the triple option better than almost anybody in the conference right. outside of Coach Ken. And who knows? Coach Ken, he might not be there next year. Nah, I, I think he's coming back. 
You think so? I think he's coming back. I, look, outside of Luke Fickle, I, to me, Coach Kenneth is the, is the best coach in the American outside of Luke Fickle. But I got a lot of respect I, for I've him. Seen, I think I've he's seen excellent. A, I've seen a lot of talk about Vanderbilt and Coach Kent. Ooh, I, I, I think he's got it better at Navy, man. Yeah, he does. But that's what he does. You know, he goes you don't, and you don't, you, don't, you don't leave Navy to go to Vandy. Leave Navy to go to Tennessee. Leave Navy to go to South Carolina. Don't leave Navy to go to Vandy. But Vandy is one of those schools that should be using the triple option. And they have the assets there already, and it's probably going to be a little bit easier to recruit at Vandy than it is at Navy. And I'm, I've got to believe that there, I've got to believe that there is a pay raise going from Navy to, to Vandy. Vanderbilt. Yeah. And historically, I mean, look, look, Vanderbilt's got money. That's old money. You know, that's that's old wealth. You yeah. know, we know the Vanderbilt. They're literally but, the Vanderbilt. Yeah. But Built and, more. and and James Franklin, I mean, he was able to go to Vandy and build a respectable program. But even a respectable program at Vanderbilt is seven and five, eight and four. So I mean, we're, we're not talking about a team that's you're, gonna. You're doing that right now at in the American. You could go do that. Well, he's got he's got a few ten win seasons, ten eleven win yeah, seasons at Navy. But I'm saying I don't think he'll ever be able to do that. At, but at Vanderbilt. imagine what he could do with the SEC recruiting, right? And not having to say, hey, I'm going to recruit you to play football. But I'm also going to recruit you to go into the Navy after after you graduate. To me, to me, he just feels like the kind of coach that he's going to be a lifer at Navy unless it's a sexy job. And Vanderbilt's not a sexy job to me. I don't know. I, I think that I, I I could see him there. Um, I saw that there's a lot of reports. I know he's talking about it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we saw Coach Ken leave. And if so, Navy might not win a single game next year. If 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 Coach Ken leaves, I, I I wouldn't say they go winless, but yeah, they they they're looking at two or three wins. I mean, not knowing what not they're knowing what their schedule wins. is, I mean, but regardless, a, a fully healthy East Carolina team with no restrictions, I think should win that game. I mean, um, next year Navy has Marshall, Air Force, Notre Dame, Army, of course. Right. Houston, Memphis, Cincy, ECU, SMU, UCF, Temple, and Tulsa. The only game on there that I really see as win- winnable if Coach Ken leaves Temple is Temple. The only game. Yeah. That's, if Coach Ken leaves, the only game that's winnable for Navy is Temple. That's a rough schedule. I don't think Coach Ken leaves, but regardless, I think we're 7-4 and four but going into UCF. The other, the other guy that I saw that was looking at the Vanderbilt job or could be in line for the Vanderbilt job. Mm-hmm. It's Coach Willie Fritz from Tulane. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's one of those two guys it's is probably going to be gone. Probably going to be gone. And I got to think that Coach Ken has been loyal. He he didn't leave Navy to go to BYU, but BYU is a different type of program. I mean, than than Vanderbilt. I think that he can recruit at Vanderbilt the way he really wants to recruit, and really he could get one of these guys that's a a dual threat quarterback in at Vanderbilt. He could get one of those guys that's a four-star recruit to come to Vanderbilt cuz he know they know they're going to be on ESPN he, almost every single week. He can, but in my opinion, it's going to take him so much longer to build that Vanderbilt program than it did the Navy program. It took him what 4 to 5 years to build that Navy program. Kids don't want to play for Vanderbilt, man, I'm telling you. And kids want to go play for Navy? They I if I'm a, I'd much rather play for Navy than Vanderbilt. Oh my God! Yes, knowing that you, I'd have, much rather go play for Coach Ken th- you're, and serve two years. 
<laughs> go play for Vandy and just at get least if Vandy ramrodded by Alabama fifty six to two or you know 56. play play Auburn <laughs> get and get safety beat by them. Play Tennessee and get beat by a four and five Tennessee team. I mean, Vandy's just not good. They haven't been good in ever. All, all they, were, they were decent under I James Franklin. It. I can see it, and that's it. I, look, I'm just saying it's it's just not it's not a sexy job. I, I, it's not. A he's sexy in a jo- good position right now. It's not like he's in a bad spot. I mean, Navy's a good program. If he stays, they're going to continue to win nine, ten, eleven games a year. Okay. If I'm leaving Navy, I'm going to like I said, a Tennessee, a South Carolina, a um, you know, who who else is a, is a big name program that could probably use a use a coach? Well, South Carolina just took Shane Beamer. You know, I, I'm not I'm not going to Vandy. That's all I know. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he but goes to Vandy. Maybe he builds him into a powerhouse. I don't know. You got to think about the schools that are going to hire somebody that's going to run the triple option. Your most of your Power Five schools, outside of Georgia Tech, aren't going to do that. And Navy's a better job than Georgia Tech. Because to me, there's just there's, there's such a no. I'd rather have the Georgia Tech job than the Navy job. You can you can easily build a better program in the ACC with Georgia Tech in Atlanta than Vanderbilt in the SEC. That's Nashville. You recruit Nashville. Of all places, Nashville. You can, I, you can build a better program. At, I think you can build a faster program at Georgia Tech than you can you, oh at Vandy. I, I I really do, man. And you got to think of the conference. This is the ACC compared to the SEC. You have one stranglehold in the ACC. That's Clemson. That's the only stranglehold you got. You got Alabama. You've got Auburn. You've got Georgia. You've got uh, who else? Who else? Florida. But you've got A and M. But you those know, are five teams that are going to kill you in recruiting, and then you've got all those other teams that follow behind it in the SEC that are going to be pretty damn good. Look at Mizzou. Mizzou's still trying to catch up with everybody after joining the SEC. Can't do it. Yeah, Missouri belongs in the Big Twelve. <laughs> like, and even then, they they really belong probably in the, look. I, the, look the Mountain West. <laughs> I I want Vandy to get better. I hope they get a coach that puts them in a good you know position. It's just that's a headache job to me. Going to Vanderbilt is a headache. I, I just don't see. Coach, I, don't, I don't know how we got so far off on. I don't. This I don't know, but I, I, I think Vanderbilt's going to hire one of those two, and they're going to offer him more money than Navy has. Mm-hmm. And then they're also, I mean, they're going to say, "Hey, like you can bring anybody from your staff that you want to. We want to gut this program. We want you to rebuild it." Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Plus, you're going to be able to get SEC caliber recruits. Look, regardless, who cares? ECU is going to be seven to four after beating Navy. Okay, yeah. heading into UCF. That that was the original yeah. <laughs> topic of discussion. E- ECU's eight and three after Navy. <laughs> and then uh, ECU plays at UCF. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mackenzie Milton, um, less UCF. Is- now, is Gabriel going to be back? Oh, let's because that's a huge factor. I mean, if, if, if Gabriel comes back, and look, I, I, I think UCF, I, I think they've lost, how many games have they lost this year? Three? I think they have three losses on the season. Um, they lost to Tulsa, who lost to ECU. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, UCF is, is going to have a bounce back year. They're going to be in a running to play for another conference championship next oh, yeah. year. Gabriel's back. He, he's just a sophomore this yeah, year. Yeah, Gabriel's going to be back. He's going to be better. That offense, they're no, still going to be putting that, up. That, that's, the, that's a top – Five offenses. Yeah, the, they're, they're going to be putting country. up 45 to 50 a week again next year. And if their defense gets any better, um, that's a tough game from ECU. Just much like Cincinnati, I don't think we're there yet to beat UCF. 
I don't think we're there yet. I think we can we can we can knock on the door, but I don't think the door is going to open. The, these numbers are insane. His passer rating. Take a guess at what Dylan Gabriel's passer rating is. Ninety six. Ninety six. He is 156.9 last year and 162.9 this He's year. He's got a 162 passer rating. Yes. Or is it passer rating or QBR? Passer rating. Now, now what's his QBR? His QBR, it, it, his QBR is seventy nine point seven. That that's sixteenth in the country already. Okay, he's uh, second in touchdowns in the country with thirty, and he's got over thirty three hundred yards and for first in the country. And he's only second behind a kid called Kyle Trask at Florida, who's got like forty something. So yeah. <laughs> he's yeah yeah that that offense is going to be explosive, um, but ECU is going to be seven and five. They're going to get to a bowl game eight and three. Eight and three. Eight and four. Eight and four, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Jared. Man. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, you know, ECU is going to get to a bowl game for the first time in what feels like 20 years, eons and eons and eons. Um, ECU most definitely gets to a bowl game next year. They most definitely get to a bowl game, yes. I, if, if every game is – ECU should have been going to a bowl game this year. At five and four, they should have gone to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. I think Navy, Tulsa, those should have been wins. ECU should be going to a bowl game this year. Okay. Next year, I be, like I said, I believe ECU is eight and four next year, with a chance to get to nine and nine and four. If if that's the case, ECU's back, baby. Yeah, I, look like like I said, I got us at seven and five, which I think is a pretty respectable record to get us back on the right track of what we are used to seeing at ECU. Uh, worst case scenario to me is six and six. I think that's the worst case scenario we have. For next year, anything less than six wins, then you got to start questioning what the hell is going on. But I've got us at seven and five confidently. Um, maybe even eight and four. I don't see eight and four. Um, I think that's a stretch. But ECU most definitely makes a bowl game, and I think we win our bowl game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Don't know who we playing. I don't care. I think we win our bowl give, game. Give me Buffalo. <laughs> Some action. Um, but all right. So I have eight and four. Artie's. Seven and five. Mm-hmm. Um, already, we'll, we'll need to we'll need to take that down and and write that down somewhere where we can remember it. Yeah. Um, put put a note in there to our way too early predictions. That way we can come back to it um, before the season starts and, and really listen to it. Um, but already, let's uh let's throw it over to let's do a walk the plank. Yeah. All right. I, I know you mentioned who yours was earlier. Yeah. Um, do you want to go ahead and indulge us? Yeah, uh, sadly. And, I, look, I've been rooting for this team all year. They play in Conference USA, our former conference. You know, we, we talked about the rivalry. We talked about how much we, we respect this program. But, Marshall, my God, how can you lay an egg and literally, literally lay an egg 20-0 to zero to Rice? I believe Rice is 2-3. and three. Yeah. Um. Their quarterback threw five interceptions in the game yesterday. They looked like a team that was not undefeated at all. They looked like a team with a losing record yesterday. I, I just I don't know I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if, if you know players got food poisoning and sat out. I don't know if they just didn't care about the game, just couldn't get up for the game. But to lose twenty to zero at home to a two and three Rice team, come on, Marshall. And and you had the opportunity to, to kind of write your own destiny, win the Conference USA get as high as maybe 
15 or 16 in the country and go to a legit decent bowl game. And now all of a sudden you're going to be out of the top 25. And you should be out of the top 25 because you lost to Rice. You got shut out by Rice. <laughs> and, and who knows what's going to happen at this, at this point. But you're probably still going to win the Conference USA championship because Conference USA is not good. So, Marshall, walk the plank. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a tough look, Marshall. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, before I go any further, I do want to give a shout-out. Jaquan McMillan, ECU. You know, he's tied for first in the conference with four interceptions, mm-hmm. and we only played nine games. We got ball hogs, baby. We got ball hogs. So, give me that. Um, yeah. Now, my walk the plank, and I'm probably going to catch a little bit of flack for this one. I know I have from you, Artie. Mm-hmm. But, um, people aren't going to agree with me. Uh, and I've, I just I don't I don't like it, man. You should leave these two teams alone, man. My my thing is, is this BYU uh, Coastal Carolina game that happened yesterday? It was a great game. Don't get me wrong; it was a phenomenal game. Came down to the last seconds. It was, it was a good game. My thing is, is they both scrambled to get this game just to show off to the college football playoff committee. That they deserve to have a chance, a, a legitimate chance. But what I'm saying is, it was like the college football playoff committee was going to look at it and be like, "Look, y'all are scrambling to to do this." And I mean, we don't, we already don't believe that y'all are top four teams, but we're, y'all are scrambling to get this game to have a top twenty five opponent. That my, that's my whole thing is BYU and Coastal Carolina scrambled to get this game put together. This game, to me, wasn't really – like, it was interesting, but they still haven't really proven anything to me. But from their perspective, what else were they supposed to do? I get it. but they BYU put, wanted Cincy. I Cincy know, backed out of that. Yeah, because Cincy wants bigger and better things. But they couldn't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cincinnati like, wants to take on uh, – Like, at the end of the day, what they, the playoff committee is not going to put Cincy in either. Probably not. Cincinnati – has everything to lose in a game against BYU or Coastal Carolina. Because they're afraid to lose. I don't think they're afraid to lose. But, I mean, it's it's one of those games where it's it's the same reason Alabama doesn't travel. It's the same reason. If you are what you are, then anytime, any place, anywhere, that's the mindset, right? I truly believe Cincinnati is a top five team. I do, we, too. We've said this. I do, too. If you are what you are, anytime – any place, but you don't anywhere. you don't pimp out your program trying to trying to make make a big name. What you do is you go after and you try to win reasonable ball games. BYU since or Coastal Carolina got scheduled on like Thursday. Yes, give me a break. Liberty and Liberty was supposed to play Coastal Carolina. That was on the schedule. That should have happened. And College Game was going to be there regardless. Yeah. But for BYU and Coastal Carolina, it just went and proved that y'all aren't ready to hang with the big dogs. How though? Like, it just it just the it to me it lacked professionalism. It lacked it it lacked that big dog mentality. What Jared? What else are they supposed to do, man? What else are these small name programs supposed to do to get their name out there? Just just just. Take what they're giving and say, all right, well, whatever. We're just a small name program. No, they, we'll go twelve and zero. We'll go play in the damn, you know, Dollar General Bowl and just take our money and be happy. Like, what else are they supposed to do, man? These are the things they have to do to kind of put their name out I, there. I get and it. Get some recognition. I get it. There's no fault on BYU or Coastal Carolina side, in that, my opinion. And that, that's perfectly fine. 
But I'm all I'm saying is is I I didn't think that the game was like like the game was entertaining. That was good. It was a good game. It came but, out to the last play of the game when what, the dude couldn't score on the it, one. It wouldn't line. surprise me at all if both teams dropped in the rankings. It would not surprise me at right, all. Right, as Carolina goes up the rankings for losing to Notre Dame at home. It, it makes perfect sense. But it, it still wouldn't it, it wouldn't it all surprise makes perfect me. sense. And once, both of those teams would beat Carolina, by the way. But once but once again, it's going to show and this maybe toward more towards the football college football playoff committee. But I don't want to do them multiple weeks in a row. Yeah, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But the thing is, is they're probably going to drop. I wouldn't be surprised if they both dropped because they showed, okay, y'all are both. They're not going to drop. Y'all are both two no-name teams. They're not going to drop. Coastal, look, look. We, I didn't even know Coastal was a football everybody team. Everybody in the country knows that neither one of these teams is going to the playoff. All right? Cincinnati is the only group of five team that has a legitimate chance of making the playoff. And they still probably aren't going to go. But what they did yesterday was prove that they belong in a New Year's Six. The winner of yesterday's game has a legitimate chance, if they go undefeated, to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. They won't pass, Coastal's they not won't pass dropping. Cincinnati. Coastal's going to go to probably 14 or 15 e- in the country. Even, BYU's not going to drop out the top 25. E- even without that game, Cincinnati still has a better resume than both those two teams. Even without that That's game. That's if Cincinnati is left out of the playoff. Now, if Cincinnati gets into the playoff, one of those teams yeah. is going to a New Year's Six yeah. Bowl game, and it's probably going to be Coastal. I, yeah, I don't know. All I'm gonna It sounds s- like you hating on the little guy, man. I'm not hating on the little guy, but all I'm saying is that this is this is why this is why people don't really respect the group of five. No, nope. Be- because they can't look. They try and schedule big boys. Big boys say you're not good enough. What else are they supposed to do, man? And so, since, what else are they supposed to do? So Cincinnati is holding out to play the big boy and take them on the number four team that is. So overrated, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I, and I hope they get that opportunity. And, but I just hope they don't fumble the bag. And I don't think if you they get will. the opportunity. You have the and best you go on national you have a top television five defense in the country. And Ohio State whoops that ass. Then I don't want to hear nothing about ass. you know. Oh that, well, that, that's gonna be a good. That's gonna be a. That's a better game than Ohio State's gonna get in any team. In the I Big agree 10. with you. I think Cincinnati can beat Ohio State. I'm just Other saying, team. don't fumble the bag. Don't act like a big boy. The, but, and then not be able to wear the but, pants. But that's the thing. They want to take a they want to take a chance on themselves and say, hey, we want to play somebody that's ranked higher than we are. But you also know the Ohio State sneaking? We don't need you, Cincy, and we're not and, playing you. And that's the exact same mentality that Cincinnati you. has with BYU. And, and so that's just a domino effect, and that's and, just how it's going to be for, I guess, from the, now to eternity. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need you. We don't need you. Just like, I mean, ECU, we play Charleston Southern next year. We don't need you. We don't need you. I'm sorry. It's it's a dog eat dog world out here, and 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 that's my thought process. I just thought the way that the game came about mm-hmm. was just kind of shoddy. Um, that it looked like they were scrambling, they were trying to pimp each other out. Um, that that that's that's all I'm saying. And I've read a lot of a lot of blogs from across the American Athletic Conference that agreed agree with me, and said, "Look, BYU and Coastal Carolina." This, this game is, this game like yeah, it's gonna be an entertaining game, but it's not proving anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Y'all aren't doing anything for yourselves. You're not proving anything to anybody. It's a top twenty-five team. UCF should be a top twenty-five team. They're not. Tulsa, they're, they're a top twenty-five team, but there's an asterisk there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if SMU beat us, that's a top twenty-five team. They didn't beat us. We beat them. Yeah. I mean, that that's all I'm gonna say. 
Artie, let's uh let's wrap this thing up. Um, we we've done walk the planks. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, my damn bears about to. Uh, let's 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 get off, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I just let's saw I just saw my Falcons. Uh, they uh, they're down by five right now. Um, uh, so have a, have a have a good week, Pirate Nation. Yep. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you leave a review. We want that review, okay? Send us send us a screenshot. We've offered several weeks in a row to pay for somebody's sup dogs. I'll pay for your sup dogs. Just send me a screenshot of your review. That's all we're asking for. All right? So, all right, Power Nation. That's all I've got uh, for Artie and me. Artie's watching his <laughs> bears. I'm watching them just collapse, but we out, Power Nation. We love you.